Hey guys, and welcome to episode 40 of the Garage Athlete Show. So we are here with myself and Mr. Daniel Fraser. Um, we're just, we haven't really got much structure today, just because we've had just a few logistical issues. We're meant to be having a guest. They've not ended up being free at the time we're free. So we didn't put out a question box because now we don't do question boxes when we get guests on. So this one's just going to be a bit more of a free ball in session. So we'd love to get some feedback from you guys on whether you enjoy this or whether you prefer it when it's a little bit more structured and we're like answering questions, etc. So yeah, always happy to kind of get feedback. And this is one that's just kind of happened by accident but if you guys like this format then we might drop one of these in every now and again where we do just have a chat basically for a little while um between me and dan so the biggest thing for me is i nearly knocked myself out with my own barbell on sunday night i think yeah it was. So i can't see uh, you've got a bit of a yeah this side you got a bit, bit of a shoulder out there so what happened then so one of the things about working in a garage gym, like training in there, is there's there's not a vast amount of space. Uh, I've acquired a number of barbells now, but I just hadn't bought a barbell holder. Um, and one of my, my seven-foot barbell was stood up just on the side near my rack. I was moving my bench to be able to do chest supported rows and then the feet of the bench caught the bottom of the barbell and it just kind of came straight across me and kind of grazed across the top of my head and also clunked around it quite hard. Um, luckily it's hit the hardest point of my head, my forehead, um, and I didn't like lose consciousness or anything. So it's one of those where it's like, right, <laughs> that will teach me for being a cheapskate and not having like, something to put my barbells in so I've now bought a barbell holder so that I don't have that happen again um I was more annoyed that like I was like one exercise into back day like I, I love pull sessions so I've done my single arm rows on a cable I was just about to do my chest supported rows and basically nearly knocked myself out and I thought mm, it's not that safe to be out here on my own when I've just hit myself in the head with a metal bar essentially like if I pass out or anything out here nobody's gonna find me for hours so I better go inside luckily the, the missus is medically trained so she could clean it out and we've got some steri um is it steri strips or what fly stitches or whatever steri strips yeah. so it's, it's knitted true. together quite well like there was a proper little egg on my head to start off with and it just kept seeping on that first night but yeah it seems it seems to have come together all right got thin skin yeah, really just splits <laughs> it's such a fight everyone's had their annoying things that happen in gyms when it's like it's kind of like what's the most pointless or the, like what's the most annoying injury or pointless frustrating injury you've ever got in the gym and I think I've, I've done similar like it wasn't my head but I, I don't know how I did it but I log cleaned um cleaned a log into my chin I've still got the scar now actually it's covered up but I did basically the same as you've done completely split it open uh like blood everywhere like bang the log into it so it just like blood real life it didn't need stitches but it was like stereo stripped over and i was like yeah. that's really annoying like how have i just done that i mean i've seen people i've drop, had, I've had more injuries in my garage gym than i ever had in a commercial gym setting <laughs> like oh, when was it um probably two 18 months ago now um i had the shed in there and i was moving a 20 kilo plate 
and there's just this really thin bit of metal on the front of the shed and my finger got trapped between the 20 kilo plate and this thin bit of metal so as I moved my finger it just sliced straight through the skin across my knuckle like to the point where because there's nothing on the end of your finger there you could see the bone it literally just sliced straight through it like I was sat in A&E for like three hours we basically bandaged that back up I went and sat in A&E for three hours to then when they kind of opened it up they said oh it's already started healing so all they did was just wipe it, stick some steri strips on it, and like send me home. And I was like, I'm just waiting three, ain't it for three hours for that? Um, literally, they didn't do anything new. Oh, it's no. exactly that's why I didn't go with this because I wasn't feeling dizzy, I didn't lose consciousness. Like I was like, and it's in the A and E in Grantham, like shuts at six p.m. So if it's a head injury, they just sent me to Lincoln or Nottingham anywhere, which is an hour drive. And it's like, I'm not driving for an hour to sit there for three hours to then then basically do that and send you home with like, because um, Pricey, who's in the moderators groups, obviously a medic, he sent me like what they would send me home with. So it's like, if you feel dizzy or nauseous or anything like that, do blah, blah, blah. And, ugh, as I said, it's been fine. I've picked up worse injury. Like this, um, if you don't know, if you can see in my eyebrows, I've got scars from, rugby from where my head's been split open because my skin is so like literally I just take a blow on it and it just it just pops jeez man you've been through the wars and that yeah injuries are that well they're just annoying injuries aren't they but I think I'm, I remember missing rugby games because the worst one I ever had was I dropped a plate on my toe on my big toe and bear in mind this isn't like a weight plate it was a dinner plate and it was before my first, it was before my debut for the club I was playing at. Um, and I dropped it in a way, I've never felt pain like it. It was unbelievable. Like my toe was, it was horrendous. I lost a toe down in the end, but like, it was like, you, so you're missing a game because you've dropped a dinner plate on your toe. And I was like, you, honestly, I can't tell you how bad this is. It was like, of course I got branded, you know, soft and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I, I was, but like, honestly, like, I can't. I'd David Hay is like, like has ruined toe injuries for every other athlete ever because actually (laughs) your big toe is a really important part of your foot's anatomy like if you've got an injury on your big toe every single step you feel it but because he lost that fight and then he was like oh well I broke my toe it's like well why didn't you say that beforehand like and he just yeah turned you into a laughing stock (laughs) yeah I remember that clearly man but yeah you're right the big toe is it it does well, try squatting with your big toe off the floor. It's almost impossible. Like one of the first cues I always give people is push your, well, push all your feet into the floor, spread it, but then really push your big toe into the floor, like right through mm-hmm. it, especially on things like good mornings and deadlifts, because it really does make a difference in terms of feeling rooted to the floor. Like it's a, well, it's when a I think a lot of people, when they first start learning to squat, are always taught, right, shift your weight into your heel. But that's because everybody's so their center of gravity is so forward dominant you have to get them to sit back into it to rebalance that or else they're they're finding their kind of heels come up but once somebody has got to a point where their mobility where they can actually squat properly like having your weight in your heel unless you've got your heel raised probably isn't the best cue as you said it's it's trying to get that weight to spread all across your foot when you're in a squat, your center of gravity moves like forwards and backwards, depending on where you are in the squat. So if all your weight's on your heel, that's not 
the ideal kind of, especially if you're trying to get quad activation that's not the ideal position to kind of be in it's why people wear squat shoes because it it lifts them up into a more kind of like favorable position um i've been doing a lot of reading on barefoot training recently because I squatted in socks for what four or five years now just because I, I feel it better I like it like it's nothing to do with anything I've got decent mobility around my ankles and my hips so I I can squat in bare feet and kind of not have any issues with it but there is major zealots like on each side of that argument that are like no you should always have something under your heel you should always have this that and the other and it's like actually it depends it's person dependent like everyone's length of limbs everyone's depth of the where their um femur sits in their socket everyone's natural like mobility around their ankles it's all different so for some people it's going to be great for others it's probably not a good idea to do that because you you might be (laughs) causing some issues further down the line yeah, I think I'm out of there. Um, I had a podcast on with Joe McGill on the other day. He was on one of the ones I listened to. They were talking about what, what is better, what is the way. And they're like, well, you have to try the athlete in different things. Like, how do they find uh, in an Olympic shoe with the heel raised off the floor? How did they find it? Do they feel the right thing's working? The thing, and then you go go completely the other way. Take all the shoe off, go everything off, start with barefoot and then build from there. Then put them in like you know things something like a basketball shoe and then see how that feels then maybe try something else and like you're you're constantly trying to find the right thing um with what works i mean i'm kind of i switched from a heel in the the romaleos the nikes which is a pretty decent heel i think it's a three-quarter inch um or it might even be an inch i'm not too sure um here which is which is pretty good to help me get depth but i used to really struggle with depth and you know I'm, i'm not kidding when i say i used to bury my squats as deep as I could go, but I couldn't, it was marginal, my depth. Uh, I got red light once in a comp and it's the only time I've been like fully red light. And I was like, it was horrible. Um, so I was thinking, all right, well, what's going on here? And what I used to do loads cause it felt right was breaking from my knees a bit more at the squat and keeping a night, a really upright torso. But what we were finding, uh, what I found from going from the knees and then the hips or not even really breaking from the hips at all. Yes. It loaded up my quads up, which is where I'm stronger. But it really was, it, it was, t- it, you, you were basically leaving it up to the judge on the day to decide is your depth good or not, because you're not really giving him much, ev- like a big, a solid evidence that you've got that hip crease below the knee. So I got, you know, red light, but then my bar path was falling forward a little bit because of this knees shooting forward. But then what I started doing is actually got weaker when I first started doing it, which is, this is the battle you'll have with sometimes, you know, particularly powerlifting about um, changing leverages and people's movements, antibody building in terms of really trying to target a muscle. Yes, you're going to get weaker short term, but long term, you're going to make better gains. So I started breaking from my hips a lot more, not, not completely exaggerated, like, you know, really sitting back to a box or anything, but just that initial movement of pushing the hips back first, completely cued my body up in a different way the fact my bar path was a lot better it was a lot straight up and straight down and I was able to get depth without all shoes on purely because I've cued myself up in a better way so some people were even saying have you been doing loads of mobility work to um, get better in depth have you been working harder I was like I don't I don't do any mobility work like I just I, I just worked on focused 
my attention sorry, focus my efforts on moving better more organized i duffin talks a lot about this the if you move well, moving well is mobility if you move in the right way and cue the right things up you are doing decent mobility training because you're training the right muscles to do the work and you're strengthening weak areas i mean we've talked about this before on the podcast normally a, a tight muscle is a weak muscle so if you can strengthen that up and find the right way to do it you'll find you kind of loosen things off same way if you've got you know let's say you've got a tight back you know it always comes up but you've probably got tight glutes tight upper back something's below or above it is causing the problems so yeah i went from ollie shoes to no ollie shoes and now i'm quite you know i know i've got the twins i've got you know had some injuries and all that but i'm starting to build some kind of momentum in my training and they've just released the calendar i don't know what it's like for bodybuilding but they've just started releasing the powerlifting meets over the next few months starting in july i think so suddenly like yeah. the brain's all like okay all right well let's see where we go. <laughs> so I'd, i would love to compete again if the body stays in one piece yeah and we can get the help with the twins <laughs> but yeah it's exciting but yeah they've they've been releasing all the bodybuilding shows and stuff i think they start from may um which i think is being a little bit hopeful um, because by yeah. June, July time, they're saying about like people being able to have indoor like spectator sports and stuff kind of being back. So I'm competing in, in August. So I have one for one that's a little bit further back. Yeah, you do not know that. Why? When? What just have to change? When? When? When are you going on holiday in August? <laughs> Have <laughs> you booked your competition for a holiday? It is August 21st. I'll have a look. Okay, I might not be competing in August. However, there's another show, I think, two weeks after. Um, <laughs> this is becoming a regular thing, was it? Last week we had the uh, you really failing spectacularly with opening the, uh, was it the face mask? This yeah. week it's, uh, you're not going show by the way it's like wow this is brilliant donald's blunders a word we've got to come up with a name for this but this is great man this is so funny sorry i'm, I'm creasing yes yeah, so i might be competing in september, september now it depends <laughs> the, the one, one in deep into contest prep. manchester uh the one in september would be in where was it last time was it it wasn't bath was it no, rugby uh, yeah so i've got a couple of options anyway um I wanted to go for the one in Manchester. So basically, if I messed it up, I then had another opportunity. Um, but I might even come in early. I don't know. It depends how prep goes, really. Yeah, I mean, this, I think what people don't realise with bodybuilding, I think it's one of those things, I think, if you know, you know. Like, mm. powerlifting is it's hard. Strongman is hard. But it's like me, bodybuilding is another level of, like, dedication and well because you, you're not just got the lifting you've got the nutrition but you've also got the posing mm -hmm. and all that crap that comes with it and you've also got you know, you're getting to crazy lean levels and you talked about it of like you know it's a it's a pretty hard strain on everyone not just well, you when you do it. i've been dieting for three weeks now i think i'm coming into my third week now um we're still in that 
point of just trying to get the body in the right place. And I dropped a key, an initial keel off quite quickly and then it slowed back down again. Um, so we've pulled a few more calories. So right at the end of my building phase, or bulking phase, whatever you want to call it, I was on like 4K calories on a training day, 3,600 on a non-training day. Uh, that initially came down to 3,300 on a training day and then 3,100 on a non-training day. That's just dropped down again now to 3,000 on a training day and about 2,900 on a non-training day. So the gaps between training day and non-training day have become kind of a lot smaller. Um, no cardio yet. It's just... What, 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 my... why did you drop? Pardon? What, what, why did you drop? What, what was the decision to bring the calories down? So uh, basically, I've, I dropped the initial kilo in that first week quite quickly. And then for two weeks, it's like plateaued off. Um, but we just wanted Let to see. Let me say plateau. Where, how, how, little, how little has it gone to? It, I just Nothing. haven't dropped anything. It's about the same. Nothing. So I've come from uh, 80. I think my heaviest weight was 83, 83 and a half-ish to I'm hovering around the 81 point seven somewhere between 81.7 and 82 uh and it's it's been stuck there for like a week a week and a half now so he's pulled a few more calories out we're adding a few more steps in so on a non-training day now it's an extra 2,000 steps uh which is what two days three days two days a week so we're just trying to get things in the right place to get things moving again um it's just taken a little yeah. while for it basically to all kind of settle down, I reckon. But because I was just, I was in a building phase for so long. Um, I think we've had to have a bigger shift in terms of the energy balance than what would kind of normally be expected. But the last few weeks were a bit like hit and miss in terms of the building phase. So I don't think I was quite hitting top end calories as often as I needed to, to then not have to pull so much out to then start that deficit. Mm. Yeah, I think the reason I'm asking these questions is because I'm trying to give guys, girls, everyone that's listening, uh, an idea of when you are making changes and why you make changes. So yeah. for people that are listening who are on, you know, fat loss, um, you know, if, if they're not making strength gains, one of the questions, one, one of the things you do as a coach, you work with a coach, you're a coach yourself, is, okay, right, so how much are we on? Have you done everything I've asked of you to a T? You know, let's say you're a perfect client. Yes. Okay. Have we given it enough time, like a week, two weeks? Yes. Okay. Um, you've slept, you, you're tracking your sleep, your, your walks, you're training hard, you're feeling good. Okay. Then it's the next thing is, okay, let's pull out 50 grams on this day of carbs, you know, 25 grams of fat on a training day. I think, you know, well, that, that'd be huge, but yeah, not that yeah. much. But like, <laughs> um, little, little small changes there to get progress moving. So the fact you lost some weight, but then you stopped, but you've been doing all the right things, that is basically your... Uh, what is it? You, was it you achieved, you achieved balance um yeah. equilibrium oh what's the word homeostasis there's a word for it's, it's, it's escaping me yeah homeostasis there you go so so now you've studied yeah homeostasis that's the one so now you've you've got to a point where we're stuck where you know is your stress levels okay you've been all right yes everything's fine okay we now know what to do to get you to the next stage so you know if you use that small reduction adding in a few steps has got you to that next stage so it's a real key thing for people dieting, for people working with coaches. A, when you work with a coach, for the first month or so, go to it to the letter, do exactly as you're told before you start kind of 
developing that relationship of what to do and change. I mean, you can have that relationship, but it's very much more like, I'll do exactly what you say. <clears throat> because then when you do get stuck, there's so many things you can do and things that if you're on your own, you'd probably go crazy. Probably even if you were, this is where it's always refreshing when coaches have coaches, because if you were on your own doing it, I don't know about you. I would have probably made changes me, last week I'm at some point. Huge, yeah. yeah. Some probably a lot more drastic than what you've done now. You probably would have started adding loads more things or changing, you know, really starting to move things around. Whereas maybe all it's taken is just, you know, 2,000 more steps, which isn't that much more. And no. then I could pull a couple of grams of carbs out. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's the idea of it's a long-term thing of when you're in that deficit of using the right tools at the right times which obviously comes with you know experience and that kind of stuff yeah also i think it's like at the moment my food's high so mm -hmm. i'm not emotionally attached to the decisions that kind of need to be made in about six eight twelve weeks time when i'm pretty lean and, and food's going to be in about 12 weeks, I'll probably be moderate. Cardio is probably going to be in there. I hate doing cardio. Like pulling food. I like food. Like when you've got an emotional attachment to the decision that needs to be made, are you going to do what needs to be done to achieve the result? Some people are able to do that. I'm not one of those people. Mm -hmm. I'm just not. I know that I need someone to be accountable to. I need to offload those decisions to somebody else to make those decisions for me so then I can just focus on ticking the boxes and just implementing the plan like I know how to create a calorie deficit I know how to write a training program however knowing what to do and doing what you need to do are two completely different things mm -hmm. and Absolutely. as you said I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of coaches have coaches themselves because they understand the value of coaching they understand the value of letting somebody else take care of the headache of the what to do and the why to do it you just go and execute rather than having to think think and second guess on am i doing what's right for me right now to get the result that i want yeah absolutely i mean on the other flip of the coin some i've had this conversation with those people like some people like making the mistakes like learning from it you know i, I quite in I want to say enjoy, but seeing, I almost I see myself as like this one giant experiment of kind of what works and what doesn't work. And I know it's personal yeah. to me. But you do pick some things up of, you know, well, maybe that wasn't the best idea, or maybe I should do more of that, or what have I learned from this? Because you do learn a lot from your failures as well. But I mean, I've had conversations with people um, and it's like, yes, I could get coached, but I quite enjoy making, I would say enjoy, but, you know, I'm happy learning as I go, which is, yeah, yeah. a fair point. And there's, there's, there, there is a time for that as well but then yeah. you could go to the coin again and say well yeah let's apply that my mindset but working with someone else and maybe you could still make tons of progress as well but you know it doesn't you know I, you know i'm a coach for a living I'm, you know i want to coach people that's what i do but some people like going on their own doing their own things like some you know i, would, I always i say every time but you know some people like doing their own accountants and uh, accounts and doing their own tax at the end of the year and feel great for doing it me couldn't think of anything worse so i would happily pay someone whatever to do it because i know it's going to be worth it and then the return so you know yeah so how is training going for you you said you're starting to make starting to get into a bit of a role yeah so a role for me is being able to 
step foot in the garage about half seven or eight and do something where whereas before I couldn't do anything and I'm trying to I'm posting more on Instagram of my training because it's almost like my training log so I'm yeah. putting my, pretty much everything I do in that session is all going up how it feels why I'm doing it because it's nice to look back on and see you know training like you know sometimes you get them time hop things don't well some people don't time hop now because we're a year into this shitty lockdown so it's probably not the best for everyone but uh it, it's all for training to see how where you are how, how it's going um that kind of stuff and i'm i've changed my routine up a bit i've been doing more of a sort of like the, the push pull legs kind of thing i was aiming for six times a week but it's not really possible just with life and stuff so i've been getting in five times a week which has been really nice and i've been coping with that okay actually but what I've been doing has been more sort of how working to what's on the day, not necessarily the numbers. So I was used to be a big, big proponent of percentage-based training. And for most people, I still think it is the best way to go. But percentage training doesn't account for days you feel like turd, if you've got any sleep, um, if you're feeling really good that day. Uh, it doesn't quite account to that. So what I'm doing now is I have an idea of the percentage I want to work with but I'm going more towards RPE. So I'm more towards what feels, how it feels on the day. So now I've been training for a little while, I've introduced heavy singles back into my training. By heavy single, I mean eight RPE. So for those that don't know, it means you're gonna lift the weight for one rep, but you're gonna lift that weight for one rep knowing you could do three reps. So it's what we call normally like an opener, normally on a squat or something. So your final, you know, one of your, your second to last warm up before your max lift of the day. So you do that one rep, and it's heavy, but it's not maximal. So we're talking, it should be around 92 to 6% of what you're trying to, of your max. So the reason I like doing that is because it gives you a great bit of feedback onto how you're feeling that day. Uh, secondly, it's kind of nice. It's just fun to lift heavy weight. I think I've been away from heavy weights for quite a while now. So it's nice to kind of just tickle that a little bit, just seeing what's there, seeing what I can do. And then thirdly, it sets you up for the day. So you can kind of lift that single, then you know from how it's felt, whether to either go for the PB on that day, which it might well do, or you can know when you go down to your back off sets that you think, okay, well, it wasn't far in the way I wanted to. I'm going to be a bit more conservative today. So a good example would be last week, I went to do my overhead press. I went to do 80 kilos for some reps, which is around 85% of my overhead ish i think so for, i didn't do the single i just wanted to get in and lift and get out it was all crap absolute rubbish did like two sets of four and then called it a day um this week put the single in did 90 and i was like okay well that, that feels all right it doesn't feel incredible but i could do that for three if i wanted to so i was like okay well it should be all right to push harder on the 80s so i did the four sets of five this week that i was aiming to do last week so it's kind of that good indicator of how, how it's going on the day yeah. um so yeah i'm quite and i just enjoy heavy singles and i find for the guys i'm training they just love you know you kind of find it's like bodybuilders love the pump powerlifters love that feeling of that max weight and you yeah. could do you know there will be times you do both and that kind of stuff but you kind of you know yourself which one you love so for me it's all about that weight how it feels i love bodybuilding training as well but i really love how that single weight feels so it's always, been nice to put it into the training to just feel it and enjoy it. i always find it funny when i'm watching guys that talk about bodybuilding and how they want to be a bodybuilder etc and then you look at their training and it's full of like sets of like fours and sixes and it's like 
your what you say and what you do are, are completely different things. Like, yes, there is a time and a place to do some heavy sets of fours and some heavy sets of sixes. However, the meat and potatoes of your program should be somewhere between probably eight and 30 reps if you're going for maximum hypertrophy, except for if you're Jordan Peters and just an absolute freak of nature because he just doesn't seem to lift anything for less than six reps on his big exercises anyway. It doesn't, doesn't it? Yeah, but like Jordan's always been like an absolute tank, even when we were like 15, 16. Like, yeah, he's a fucking. I remember, like, I feel like before a game once, he'd be like, "Back a bench press morning, but yeah, I can like a bench press morning." Kind of, I was like, "You probably can, mate. Look at this." <laughs> this he was a scrum half, just, though, wasn't he? He'd always been like, "Yeah, he was a scrum half, yeah. but he was he was, he was huge." Um, my scrum claim to fame that I managed have, to fluff him up. Uh, they have a bit of a personality. You've got to have a certain type of personality to be to be a scrum half, like to be yeah, he, he normally between like. Well, most scrum half somewhere between like five foot and five foot five to be able to boss around a group of what eight like six foot 150 kilo like professional rugby players you've got to have a certain scrappiness about you to be able to give as much as you can get because those guys could just flatten yeah, you yeah. <laughs> i never had the personality to yeah, be a scrum half. i'm not yappy enough no, it's, it's a, well, I was a prop, so definitely not, man. But yeah, it's, it's interesting when you say about the, the sets of fours and sixes and that kind of stuff. Like, if you want to get muscle growth, to do it with low reps is really fucking hard. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to get, you know, let's say 30 reps in a session through sets of fives with how heavy you're going to have to lift to get that result, you're going to have to work really bloody hard. And by the time you've done your, like, your sets on say squats or something, you're going to be goosed. Like if yeah. I do a heavy five, five, five squat, or something, like it's like really go for it. That's me. Like, I can't do any more. Um, which in terms of high, uh, you know, is hypertrophy is the main goal. That's not enough. You're going to have to do more. So you've kind of burnt out before you've been able to tap into everything your body can do. So there's a reason, you know, sets of eight and plus and all that kind of stuff is so utilized because you can push hard on it you know you can push pretty hard for sets of 10 12 but you can do it for multiple sets if you you know if, if the program decides you need to i mean there is a time and a place when you need to just go as heavy as you can for low sets but um typically speaking you're going to need some volume to grow and to do it with big heavy sets it's not it's not the best way it's not really the way to do it i've i've been pleasantly surprised over the last month although i'm kind of i am trying to cut some weight like i'm down three kilos or so and then the aim is to get under 120 for the first time in ages but then um then push further from there but i was actually finding from smashing the protein in and doing loads of reps fucking i haven't had muscle growth like that for ages like mm. like things from changing the angles from doing things i'm putting on muscle where it kind of gets a little bit neglected i mean we're talking you know adding muscle you know it's quite been said if there's going to build a lot of muscle for most people yeah, you'll need a point where you need to add some bits on. Top. And I found by just working on other stuff, yeah, like things like you know, upper chest, like shoulders, hamstrings, you know, even calves have been doing that, that training. Like things are starting to grow, which haven't grown for years. I was like, oh, this is it's pretty interesting. Like um, the high reps, you know, is the kind of way to go. Even on a calorie deficit, I think because I was a bit, you know, around that 20-ish percent fat, I could probably borrow some some fat to, you know, negate um, yeah. the, the fat and loss and build some muscle. And it was pretty. It's, it's because you've not trained like that for a long time. That's a big shock to your system. So 
I put out something recently on my stories about how like there's three times when the body is primed to build muscle and burn fat at the same time, like even at an intermediate slash advanced level. So obviously newbie gains, like when somebody's completely new to training, you'll know this, you can stick them in deficit. They start lifting weights. They're going to build muscle and burn fat. They just utilize those extra calories from the fat, as you said, to be able to build that muscle tissue. The other two times are when you're in a detrained state. So that whole muscle memory thing that people say, that's just because your body again is in the prime position to just regain muscle it's kind of had before. And then the other ones, like if there's a drastic change in your training. So if you've gone from doing a powerlifter style training to more of a bodybuilder style training, like that's a drastic change. So again, it's going to shock your system. It has to be done for like a certain period of time, just because I tried to have this, somebody like DM'd me and was arguing with me about it. And I just gave up in the end because, you know, like arguing with stupid people on the internet, it's like, you, you're never going to win anyway. It just gets yeah, you that, Was it about box What's going by parallel? <laughs> um, I can't even remember what yeah, it's going to be now. Um, no, sorry, but it's, oh, no, it was chaos training, basically. That's what I was trying to say. So you're saying if you shock the body each session, you can build muscle and burn fat. And I was just like, no, <laughs> I just don't. I wholeheartedly don't agree with that. Like you need to, yes, there needs to be some variability in there, but you also need to have a level of consistency. You can't just be from one week going like, heavy bench press the next week doing like dumbbell incline press for sets of 30 the next week doing like sets of 8 to 12 there's got to be a certain level of consistency to then make that overload progressive or else you're just sending all kinds of mixed signals and um, I think he was a big CrossFit fan so it was just like I'm never going to win this argument with somebody who's in your shoes so I just like you know what I'm going to agree to oh you're okay I'm going to agree to disagree and um, and leave you with that one, mate. I think you unfollowed me after that. I was like, that's fine. <laughs> You're not the type of person I want to have on my account anyway. But, um, yeah, it's funny when you're talking about the, re- the places you can do it. You've literally named me and I think three of the examples, detrained, shock to the system and a bit fat. So I was like, <laughs> I wasn't actually losing weight. But I was, I was like, fuck it, it sounds like so stupid. I'm just building all this delicious muscle. I was like, well, I'll tell you this, this is quite nice. So, yeah, it's quite fun. I can see, like, like, I think with powerlifting, you do get tied into and strongman to the goal so of lifting weight, which is you should do. But then it was nice, and it still is nice. I'm still more more on the, um, the hypertrophy side of things and strength that, it's just nice to see like changes being made, gains being made. Like, do you remember when you were younger and you'd like suddenly get stretch marks on your arms and stuff like that because you were lifting so well? Everyone does 20,000 like, sets of bicep curls, right? But it's just been nice to kind of get those gains again. But then, funny enough, for my main lifts, my bench press is feeling really, really good at the moment. And I haven't done much like benching, but I've done tons of overhead and tons of tricep work. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Chris has just hit a we're, we're trying to get the podcast at some time he's just done a 180 bench and he's barely touched bench in 14 weeks what's he done yeah. smashed his overhead and smashed his um, triceps and I'm feeling the same thing here from building maybe muscle groups I neglect <laughs> other things which you probably like if you're a strong squatter like you know if you're a strong let's say 
low bar, really wide stance squatter getting, you know, sort of really maximizing averages and up. Chances are you're not fully, you know, go back to the bodybuilding example, you're not fully maximizing your quad strength or maybe your upper back strength. So if you're that kind of low bar squat, if we switch you out to a high bar narrow stance squat for a little bit, you might find you can make some more gains not only in just muscle, but B, when you go back to the lifts because you've built muscle groups, which are now strong, which don't get worked as much in the range of motion you do to get a better lift. So there's, you know, sometimes you have to kind of look a bit from outside what you do in your training to get better. Like a, a, a good example today is um, Jen Thompson on her Instagram. He's like the best female power lifter like ever, in my opinion, but like, but insanely in the bench press, like she's unreal. I think she benches one, four, five, I think maybe at comp, but like, I wow. think she's a 63 kilo woman. Jesus. I'd love to hear the podcast if we can. She's fascinating, all while being a full-time teacher. Um, but she's like, I I don't train in the traditional powerlifting way. She's like, I hit my SPD, like squat bench dead, maybe once every eight days. But the rest of it's tons of you'd like this, mate. Leg extensions, uh, hammy curls, bicep curls, dumbbell presses, like loads of stuff which people say you shouldn't do. And she's like, well, you know, it's working for I've me. lifted for how many years? How many world champions? Yeah. yeah, it's working for me, you know. Um, much the way, you know, Dorian A is absolutely crushing. Everyone says, you can't do that. It's not enough volume. You're not going to make any games. Like, he did all right, didn't he? So, yeah. you know, saying true, you kind of get to figure out in your own training what works and what doesn't. And this is where, if you are working with someone, keep pulling stuff out of what you get from the program, which you think works, and maybe have a conversation with them or move on if you think it doesn't work. You can sort of add to your own sort of training philosophy. Yeah. The big thing on I, my I was gonna say, like before I worked with Jake, I never really used to use the only time I'd use like sets of like 20 was in doing like a um what was it called? Is it a suicide set? Uh with quads normally. So you do like a heavy set of six to ten drop off about 10% weight, then do a, uh, on something like squats. Uh, so heels elevated back squats. So an initial set of six to 10, drop 10% weight, do 12 to 15, drop 10% weight, do 15 to 20. Like that's the only time I really use that rep range. But actually I've started throwing it into some more clients work. Yeah. Like for example, Jay, he's like maxed out his dumbbells now because he's got a pair of adjustable dumbbells and like a lot of his dumbbell exercises, like, he's he's maxed out to get to sets of 12 so i've just gone okay we're going to do sets of 12 to 20 now for the next block of training for those exercises you've maxed out because he'll have to drop his weight by about at least 20 25 to go from a, a max effort set of 12 to a max effort set of 20 but if you're still hitting failure at 20 it's still going to stimulate hypertrophy and it's just another string to the bow to be able to add in to change things up like when i first started doing sets of 20 for example on dumbbell chest press my i was before i was doing sets of 12 with like 42 and a half kilo dumbbells like my technique probably wasn't the greatest because i was just chasing that heavy weight but as soon as i dropped down to a set of 20 like the weight had to drop right back down to about 17 and a half kilos because I was focusing on rep number one and rep number 20 being the exact same. And I'd hit failure at 17 and a half kilos. It, and then over six months, I built that back up to being over 30 kilos for sets of 20. 
So there's a lot of progress that can be made. And as you said, it's sometimes it's working with a different coach that's got a different training philosophy that opens your eyes to it and goes, ah, okay, I can see why this would be useful now. Like I don't implement it with everyone, but it's, <laughs> it's another tool that I use now when I'm trying to add in a little bit more volume. Well, that's it. They're, they're tools. You've nailed it. Like I think now I've been, well, I've been coaching full time for I think maybe six years or so, and then I've been lifting since I was fifteen. Like pretty, you know, three times a week since I was fifteen. I'm pretty sure I've hit my ten thousand hours, if not probably plus. But there's all these little things in your tool tool case that stuff you might even forget about. Like it's funny just just hearing you talk there. I'm thinking, oh shit, you know, there's stuff like. 6, 12, 25, that was a big one when we were younger of training. There's stuff like 6 and 12. There's stuff like German volume training. I'm, I'm listening to all the Poliquin stuff. There's stuff like, you know, EDT training. There's loads of wave training. There's loads of things, little tools and tricks, and it's picking them at the right time. So I found in lockdown, because people have limited kit, limited resources, you know, not ton, well, some people had all the time in the world. Some people didn't have that much time. You really have to call on that toolbox to find what works for people so you know i think you posted about how if you're pushing to near failure or failure you can work with sets of 20 you can work with high rep sets you can do 15 you know band of work can be great you might actually find you make some new gains there i've actually found in lockdown especially with my strength athletes for me it's done wonders for them in terms of shifting the focus off from that one rep max in terms of body competition um sorry composition uh, work rate building muscle when they've gone back to the gym they feel like different athletes they feel like they've hit you know they've upgraded themselves they feel like they can handle a lot more and do a lot more everything just feels better so stuff like you know if you're limited on weight things like pauses things like drop sets things like tempo sets um things like you know maybe if you're strong benching with your hands wide bring it in close go you know work with what you've got so there's it's part of the fun i think as a coach of it's a bit more time consuming but it's quite fun working out all these different solutions to people's problems but there is you know that comes with you know knowledge and years of experience and that kind of stuff yeah but you've got that toolkit you call upon to get people better 100 and yeah it's as you said it's something that's kind of like highlighted to me through lockdown is that not everybody is able to adapt to that sort of thing. Like as soon as you took away the gyms and that environment, they've either jumped on and tried to become a Joe Wicks and be jumping around the living room doing hit, in which case I'm not being yeah. funny, he's a lot more attractive than me and has got a lot better of a marketing team. Like that's not yeah. that's not the level I want to try and compete on. Like I I know my lane, like, and I'm going to stick at it. And there are things we can do with at-home training. Obviously, it's really really helpful if somebody's got access to a home gym, etc. But if they don't, there's still plenty that can kind of be done with what the average person has with the kit they've got at home. Absolutely, man. Um, absolutely, I love. I found. I've actually found some people are doing better in lockdown. It's almost like they've seen, you know, how you deal with lockdown and the pandemic and life is, you know, it's up to you. No one's saying there's a right or wrong. If you, if, if it's, if it's all got on top of you and you feel doing some training 
the thought of trying to improve yourself in that way is actually going to make you mentally worse then yeah don't don't worry about it like focus on fixing your head like you know that's totally cool but you know if you found lockdown has been an opportunity to improve yourself or say what i call it the fuck it moments when you go fuck it let's just make the best of what we got let's smash the situation then lockdown's been strangely and i feel a bit pissed off at myself for saying this and also an opportunity for people to really change and get better and finally lose that way they wanted and get the results they want i mean bar, bar maybe pulling a one rep max if you've got body weight goals or composition goals fuck me you could have improved it in lockdown if you really yeah. wanted it like it was it, it, it was a time to do it. i mean luckily with gyms opening back up you know we can get back and train you know the, the, hopefully it all moves forward in the way we want to but i mean there's never it's been a great opportunity to do it but then it's not the last opportunity you know no. there's always so, another day another chance it's like if you there's a there's a quite famous quote that i i like that the perfect time to plant a tree was 30 years ago yeah. Sorry, the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. The second best time is to do it right now. So, yes, yeah, totally. like right. looking yeah. back and knowing that I could have started however long ago, yeah, that's great. However, if you haven't, you can't change that. However, you can change right now and you can do something about it right now. And then when you move into the future, at least you've started. Oh, absolutely. One of my favourite quotes, not quotes, was all just anecdotes from when people start doing these changes and working with me is I wish I started sooner or you know I did it it's it's a big like well you didn't have to start saying you've done it now it's amazing yeah. you just have to get that foot in the door right definitely awesome, but I, think, I think that's yeah, going to be a good place uh, to leave it so we weren't overly structured yeah, today I think that was a nice uh, a nice place to wrap it up so if the guys want to see any more of your content um where can they find you you can find me on at bubbles and beans on instagram and dan frazier on facebook and trolling posts in the home gym uk group and i'm dhpt on both instagram and facebook and i do put the links to all the social media profiles and everything in the descriptions so you guys don't have to go searching it's all there for you well been great to catch up with you buddy and i will speak to you again next week when we should have a guest for you guys so yeah we'll have a guest. <laughs> we got we got a couple of guests lined up for the next two or three weeks so you yeah. don't have you'll be, you don't have to be sick of us too awesome. awesome right i'll speak to you later buddy I do. Have an hour. You think about it. peace